With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to do any sort of intro. I'm just recording now. Okay. You know, it's essential. It's, it's, this is a bare bones episode. I don't even think there's going to be a theme song. I think we're just going to start just like this. That's fantastic. The art of essentialism. Because I read this book that you recommended to me. Finally. <laughs> well, and, at least you read it. Yeah. You know, I, I get around the things eventually once I get everything else out of the way. And had I read this book sooner, I guess I would have had time to read it. Which, yeah, see how that goes. You know why I recommended that book to you? <laughs> because I think I can do everything and I can't. You were, you were like under a huge pile of things to self-imposed, do. <laughs> self-imposed duties. That's yeah. not that. And, and that's the, the thing is like you can get to this point where you have so much stuff that it affects everything. It affects your personal life. It affects your health. It affects your ability to actually perform. Um, right. I mean, I listened to this book on, on audible. Um, I don't know. I get this weird surreal feeling. Like sometimes when you read a story and you're like, this is written just for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it's not, but it, it, I was like sitting there going, this guy's like talking. How does he know what I'm doing? <laughs> Right. Because I'm like the, the target audience for this, this book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel much the same way, but I think you are nicer than I am and said yes a whole lot more than I did. <laughs> yeah. There's a big section in the book about making sure that you pause before you say yes to things and think about some stuff before you actually take on new duties. And the funny thing is, is I mean, I know so many artists and writers and composer, everybody. I, I mean, I know people that are good at this, but I also know lots of people that are so excited about making their stuff and making their art that they just do everything. And it's too Take much. Every opportunity that comes and that's even advice that's often given is that you should take up every opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> can't say that word <laughs> opportunity opportunity that comes along and that's not true <laughs> yeah you, you have, have to learn to, to say learn no what what good opportunities are i was I've, I've been very bad i mean i've been thinking about this for a long time so it's it's as i'm getting ready to transition this and hand this off because i have too much stuff and i've kind of i feel like i've been through the process and learned from it what i need to um there's always more to learn, right? But you can only oh, do so much. Yeah. And it's the important things are the things that we're doing right now with the Wicked Library and the Lift and my own writing and trying to do some voice work on the side and that sort of thing. Right. So getting rid of things is, is kind of really, really important. So, yes. And this show has always kind of been fond its audience and people that create things. So it's, it's kind of geared towards other creatives and, I guess that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I, I covered as I as I depart this show is that 
you you have to let go of things and you have to say no to things and you have to basically pare it down to what you can can do and you need to give yourself permission to do the things that you want to do and say no to the things that aren't things you want to do. Right. What's important to you? It's it's very much about that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so simple and it's so it should be intuitive, right? But it's not. We're all it's driven not. to try to do as much as we possibly can on the short amount of time that we but at the same time, if you do that, you just don't enjoy any of it. I think time- there's far too much in the world that is appealing. There yeah. are so many cool things out there and we know about them now more than we ever have. Yeah. So it's really hard to say, okay, this is what I want to do. It's taking me of I did that even before the internet. I had way too many hobbies yeah. and and things. Some I call them my someday things. Yeah. Oh, I'll get to that someday. Well, someday never ever comes. And I had to look at what I actually wanted to do and wanted to finish and let go a lot of those some days. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing too, is like the, the someday thing is way on you too. At least I've found that, I yeah. mean, it's nice to have a couple things out there that are like, okay, these are a couple things that I want to get to. But if you do that too far in advance and you have too much of that stuff, I think that that weighs you down too. At least for yes. me, I feel guilty for not getting to those things. Dreams become burdens. Yeah. It's, was it fight club? <laughs> the things we own end up owning us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that I mean that's obligations as well. It's you know, it's because you take ownership of these projects and now they own you. Yes. And that's dealt with in the book too. I, I listened, like I said, to the audio version, but I liked it enough that I want the actual book. Right. Um because you know, for me that's essential to add more stuff to my life. <laughs> I guess I'm Well, I'm, I'm, it is an essential. For it's me okay it to is add essentials. Yeah, for me it is because I will I know myself. I mean, and I, if I don't create a habit of like practicing this, I'm going to go right back to where I was. And it's, I'm still in that, that phase where I feel a lot better and a lot calmer. And I, I'm, I mean, just in listening to this book one time, it's like I've unburdened myself, but I, I still feel that, that, that pull whenever I see somebody that needs help with something or I hear yeah. somebody that wants, you know, somebody to step in and do this or that. And it's like, it's stuff I know how to do. Yes. And, and it's so easy for me to just go, well, let me not do that. Yes. I had problems with that when I was working in an office job, actually. Um, and this is before I even read the book, but it was kind of a realization that I came to that I would always step in and and do something because I could do it faster. Mm -hmm. It was easier for me. And so it made these people dependent on me for yeah. certain things and they never learned it themselves. They always came to me and, and that took, you know, a little bit of time and you think about it and that's part of the guilt involved too. It's like, Oh, this only took, you know, 10 seconds or two minutes and you're like, Oh, how can I not spare that time? But when you're doing it over and over and over and over again, and it interrupts your day, you mm -hmm. lose focus because you're interrupted. And so I had to learn to to let that go and just stand there while someone was struggling on the computer or something. Yeah. Um, 
so it is a process learning that and you you're gonna stumble um I still have not mastered this I don't think I don't think mastery is something that ever really happens, but you get better and better and yeah. better as you keep, keep doing it. Absolutely. So you, you read the book when a while ago. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember when I read the book. So when did I recommend it to you? Do you know? I, I, I don't know. Probably whenever I was drowning. Um, yeah. But I've been drowning for so long, it's hard for me to, to say where that is. I mean, there's so many things I want to do. There's so many things that I'm interested in and I'm excited about. And, right. you know, that's kind of where this this book really helped me. So, I mean, maybe what I'll do is I'll run through the, 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 the contents and we can talk about it. Um, because mm-hmm. maybe somebody else will be helped by this. So, part one, there's four parts. Part one is essence. Part two is explore. Part three is eliminate. And part four is execute. And um, I, it's just us running through this hopefully is, is a good teaser for someone. But I, I want to just do the essential. I don't want to get too deep into this. Well, we could talk forever and ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, so part of this is essence. They talk about what is essentialism and what is the core mindset. So the first part is tells you how to how to choose and how to discern what's important and it's called discern the unimportance of practically everything. So most things are unimportant, but we give them value and we put that upon ourselves and upon these tasks and make them more than they are. Um and there's always trade-offs. It's kind of like what problem well it says what problem do I want? So it's you choose based upon if you have to choose between things do you want this problem or do you want, do you want to be burdened by something or do you want this other problem, which is, which is easier to deal with? Mm-hmm. Um, explore is talking about um, basically taking the time to look at all the things that are presented to you, all the things, all the options, all the things that you could get yourself involved in. And how do you combat that? How do you learn not to, take on all this stuff. So um, escape the perks of being unavailable. It's fantastic to me. (laughs) Basically saying I'm busy with stuff, folks. Uh, I think he talks about putting on his emails an auto response that says I'm in hermit mode. I'm writing a book. Uh, You know, (laughs) I'm only checking my email on occasion. uh, So you probably won't get a response from me while I'm busy. And I've seen, you know, authors that I admire do that. Neil Gaiman goes into what he calls hermit mode as well. Where, mm-hmm. you know, a lot like, of authors do yeah. that. And a lot of artists artists do that. You have to because there's so much thrown at you. Um, embrace the wisdom of your inner child. Uh, play, which means it's okay for you to want to do other things. It's okay for you to want to watch a movie or go for a walk with your dog or just sit and think or read a book or enjoy life. You don't always have to be creating things. And it always, you don't always have to be working. <laughs> right. Um, which, I mean, it, it kind of made me think of, I don't know, was it, uh, who's the guy that writes Game of Thrones? George R. R. Martin? George R. R. Martin. And what was Neil Gaiman's comment? George R. R. Martin is not your bitch. Whenever people were like, where's the next book? Yeah. Well, I, I have issues with that. Oh. I, I disagree with Gaiman on that. So to a certain extent. So, so you can go to us you can go too far with this is what you're saying. Oh yeah, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. 
And now he's crying about how the show, people know the ending and he's added, he's talked about how he added a twist and it's like, well, okay, you added a twist and then you just told everybody about it. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a twist. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's like I go into it knowing there's going to be a twist. That's another conversation. But yeah, I am not in agreement with Gaiman. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's anybody's bitch, but, uh, Martin, so he's taking it to an extreme. Maybe that's why. Martin flipped his fans off. Oh. And that's not cool. No, that's because not cool. Because his fans made him. And yeah. he they are still why he is where he is. No, I, I get that. Have to show some gratitude. See, I'm not I'm not real deeply not involved cool. in it, but I do know that I personally have gotten to this point sometimes where I'm all about what my obligations are to everybody else. And for me, it, it's like I feel guilty if I sit down and play a video game for an hour or if I sit down and read a book for an hour or if I watch a movie. I like when the new Star Wars movie came out and, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. I didn't go see it for like two weeks, after two and a half weeks after it came out, just because I felt that I had all these other obligations. I had I should have just gone and, and, and treated myself and I would have been more productive. Yeah, but I think comparing yourself, you know, of course, I'm coming from outside of this I don't know I mean you never know anybody else's life but when you see Mr. Martin at like every con there is and always on TV and I mean I'm not saying he's not working because he worked on the television show and did a lot of other things but you know you're a writer and he's he wasn't writing and I think he's kind of admitted that he should have been writing uh, at this point. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a difference between having work ethic me, and then, yeah. I just I never like when somebody turns on their fans. I just that really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Hanks is always nice. People say he's <laughs> yeah. one of the nicest people you can ever meet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you I have just to think appreciate it's really nice to be, you know, and this is for anybody, you know, just be nice to people. Oh, yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to go out of your way being nice. I mean, some actors do, but I can understand wanting your privacy and things like that. But um, just know who put you where you are and, and show them, show them that you're grateful for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, you know, I don't know his situation. I've, I've not been a big Game of Thrones fan. I've never, I watched one episode. Um, <laughs> I never read the books. You're one of those rare ones. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I just have too much. See, this is where we're at. I have too much of my own. I'm creating too much of my own stuff to, to like, go out there and enjoy some of the stuff that has been created. And I, right. I guess that's really kind of, you have to find that balance. You, you can't just be completely devoted to creating um i mean despite what bukowski may say you know to go for it and to to do it full force and it may end up you know causing you to lose really I, I i think there's two extremes there and i think that might be as much as i like bukowski that might be a little too extreme for me yeah well I, you have to put something back in the tank or else you run dry yeah and Stephen part King of putting well. things back in the tank is enjoying your life and doing the things that you love. 
going to a Star Wars movie when it comes out. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, but I mean, I did get myself in this hole where I was behind on a lot of stuff and it's taken a lot of time and effort to get back to the point where I'm I'm getting to the point of being current with things and you know, this book came at the right time for me because my temptation normally in that situation would be, okay, what do I add to fill this void now? And really, I can't do that because, mm. well, I mean, the next step is like protect the asset. Talks about sleeping and making sure that you take care of yourself because you are your own asset. You are all you have. Right. And if you, you burn through this stuff and you burn through your energy, you end up burned out and right. nobody wants that, and especially your fans and people that are looking for you to create things. Um. But yeah, I mean, saying no to things has always been difficult for me. And that's dealt with in part three of Eliminate, where he talks about the power of the graceful no and kind of gives you some examples of how you can say no to things and um, likens it to editing and how important editing is. And when an editor has done their job, you don't notice that things have been edited because all the pieces that aren't supposed to be there have been taken away and you're just adding in the things that need to be there. Right. But that yeah, I mean, whole wheat and chaff thing. Yes. <laughs> well, you're a fantastic editor. So, I mean, you understand that part better than me. I fall uh, in love with everything. I read. It's hard, though. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to do that. It's hard. It's hard to say no. It's not fun. No. You know, to tell people no. But dealing with that initial letdown that is the typical response Um Sometimes it's harsher, sometimes it's better, but uh, it's hard. It's it's hard to to get a response. It's hard to let somebody down. Um, it's not. It's a lot like disciplining a child. It's not fun. You don't like doing it, mm-hmm. but you just have to. Or being the manager at a job, right? You, nobody wants to discipline and tell you, yeah, but you have to. And I think people end up. At least in the book, he talks about it, and I can see it where people would respect you more if you are able to say, no, I can't do that because I'm overcommitted or no, I can't do that, but I'll do this instead or, you know, whatever it is to, to do it gracefully and to, you yes. know, you maybe can't throw your full support behind something, but you're like, well, I can do X, but I, I, I'm, I'm not able to do X, but I can do Y. Um, right. And uncommitting from things, you know, whenever you've overburdened yourself. I think that's the worst out of all that's these. That's the hardest. <laughs> because it feels like you're saying, fuck you, but you're not. You're really just saying, look, I just can't do this. I've taken on too much and I can just continue to drag this out and we're going to end up hating each other. Or I can come come in to you now and say, look, I'm sorry I agreed to this. There's a lot more here than I thought there was going to be. I've had changes in my life. Other things have happened. I can't do this because it's not going to be the best that it can be. And I think it's, it's painful. And I mean, that's why you say no to begin with, right? Because you don't want to get yourself into that situation. Exactly. But once you're in that situation as uncomfortable as it is, sometimes you have to say, I made a mistake. I can't Mm -hmm. do this. I've had to do that recently myself. It's, it's so difficult to, for people and I think that's something, I don't know if that's a cultural thing from with our country or if it's just a where we've gotten to, um, but it's so hard for people to admit they've made a mistake. 
Yeah. I mean, like I said, the uncommit thing is the hardest thing for me because yeah. the way I was raised, it was kind of like your word is your bond. And, you know, I mean, going back to my grandfather, you know, a man doesn't yes. break his word. Uh, that would apply for a woman as well, obviously, but, yeah, well, you know, yeah. that's, a person, exactly. Someone does substitute not substitute person <laughs> because that's all you have is, is your, is your word. But sometimes, like I said, you make mistakes and unfortunately in some of those cases, it's going to end up damaging the relationship or damaging, you know, yeah. you can't worry about what you're going to lose out on. Um, right. You just have to do what you have to do. And And one of the things that I've been working hard on recently and been uh, telling my son, too, is and and my daughter don't they they have these worries and these fears. And and I said, don't base your life on speculation. Yeah. trouble. You you do not know what is going to happen. Right. Um, And so because it's making you miserable. When you think about, oh, this horrible thing, and it, it, it's always these terrible things are going to happen, you know, and you you just get crushed under that notion that you're just doomed. And very rarely does it work out to be your worst. Yeah, I mean, you can deal with anything that, that the world throws at you eventually. I mean, yeah. And one of the things that I've learned not from this book, but elsewhere, but it does have to do with uncommitting is, you know, if you're going to go there, if you're going to worry about something, then you need, and if you're going to, you know, play the what if game, basically, Mm -hmm. then you need to take it. You need to answer the questions. What if this person hates me? If I don't, if I back out of this project and answer that question and then say, you know, Oh, well, and how are you going to deal with that? What if this person hates me? Well, I guess we don't talk anymore. Right. And how is that going to affect you? you know, play it out to its end. And yeah. if that is too much for you to handle, then maybe you need to uncommit from something else. Right. You know, it might help you see what really is important for you, or it might make you see that, you know, unfortunately not everybody rates the same in your life and mm-hmm. you, you need to put some people before other people. And yeah, you if have you're to sacrificing your family mm-hmm. for someone who is not as important as your family, then you have a problem. Well, it's, it's the, uh, what is it? Uh, here, execute, focus. What is important now? Right. What is, and, and I think that also ties into, you know, um, the power of, of, of choosing, you know, making a decision, deciding what's actually important and which problem do you want? I mean, which, which you have to do that. Sometimes you have to weigh yes. the two and say, this is what's going to potentially happen. But again, like you said, you can't borrow trouble either. Right. I mean, you're going to live through it. You're going to, you're going to get past it and, and you'll move on. And it's, Hey, We've all had bad things happen to us in our life. We've all lost people. We've all had breakups and ended relationships. And, yeah. Um, it's, We've all dealt with things that we thought we could not deal with. Yes. And it's always a lot harder before you deal with it than it is after. Right. I mean, that's, that's always been my experience. I mean, it's, it's definitely oh, not fun nice. after, but it's never as bad as, as you thought it was going to be. No. It, yeah, it definitely... I mean, though, 
I, my daughter, when she was young, was in a wheelchair for a while. And I remember before that ever happened, thinking I, I couldn't deal. I would be a terrible parent to a handicapped child. Mm -hmm. Just thinking that my capabilities and, you know, some people think that's a horrible thing to say, but I just felt like I wasn't capable of that. And my, (laughs) my, uh, perspective has changed, but, (laughs) um, you know, when I was presented with that and I did have to deal with her being in a wheelchair, uh, someone actually asked me, how, how do you deal with that? And it's like, you just do. Yeah, that's, that's what what it is. is your choice? You know? Okay. Yeah. I didn't think I would be able to deal with it, but I just did it. (laughs) Sometimes you just realize, oh, well, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Right. Well, you were you were pretty young at the time too, right? Yeah, yeah. As we get older, we we become wiser, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Yes. There Not is always something to be learned though, like you said before. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the 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 big thing that that I've kind of learned not only through this book, I mean, for the book, it's kind of just, like I said, I felt like it was talking to me. So it's, it's crystallized a lot of things that have been going on in my mind anyway. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it just takes that, you know, outside influence or that outside voice to tell you that this is, you're, this is not unique. You're, You're not the only person that's ever been in this situation. Right. And this is how you deal with it. This is one way you can deal with it. You can deal with it other ways. You can embrace it and say, yeah, I'm going to, I, I want to do it all and burn yourself out. Or I think, you know, I've come to this point in my life where I'm starting to realize that I can't do it all. And there's yeah. only so much time left and there's things that are important to me. And it's, it's focus on the things that are important and not everything that could potentially be important. Yes. And it's, a, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I, my Pinterest tagline is something along the lines of I'll, I'll never live long enough to do everything I want to do. <laughs> right. Like there's so many things I'm interested in, so many things I would love to be able to do, but yeah, as I've gotten older and especially with this recent move I have made after living in the same house for 18 years, I realized how many things I held on to for a long time thinking that, I would get to it and you know, along with reading several books with the same message delivered in different ways um, and, you know, physically moving and having to deal with all this stuff. I just saw I'm, I'm not going to do this and have had to let some things go because I knew I was not going to get to it. Yeah. I mean, there were some great questions in here when he was talking about, and he applied it to more than just physical things. Like you can apply it to everything, but using the closet example of like finding stuff in your closet and just going, do I absolutely love this? If Mm -hmm. I didn't, and the great question that I thought was, if I didn't already own this, what would I pay to get it? Yes. And that I changes wrote everything. I wrote that on a post-it note and carried it around with me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and it works with opportunity. So it's like, if I did not have this opportunity being handed to me, what would I do to get it? And right. that really changed for me everything in terms of the, the way I look at opportunities and things. And it's, it's funny because you had posted about, um, what is it? The art of tidiness or something like that. Yes. Um, the, the, um, Art, magic of tidying up 
Marie Kondo's book. Yeah, it's um, it was what written in Japan. She's Japanese, yeah, okay. and um, because I saw that on the Simpsons. I mean, there's recently even like too. a name for it called the KonMari method. Okay, and if you've read it, it's it's fairly extreme. I um, haven't read it yet, but they had yeah. a Simpsons episode about it, so I'm sure I understand it now. <laughs> yeah, you. Get, it's like get rid of everything. That's what Lisa. <laughs> Lisa ends up with nothing in her room. She's like, yeah, nothing gives me joy. Episode, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, it really, it's pretty harsh. Yeah. And there, there's like a whole chapter dedicated to books. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Just flipped through that. that. That was not happening. Yeah. I think, and I actually do let go of books better than a lot of people I know, because yeah. I would rather a book go to somebody who will enjoy it. If, I, if I'm not going to read it again, and I, you know, I liked it, but I don't need that book in my life. Mm-hmm. I just, I read so much. I would be like, just have, let someone else have it. Right. So I'm pretty good about letting the books go like that, but I do still have a lot of books. Well, yeah, I, I mean, not going to whittle them down and I'm not going to deface them as much as she has. Like she would actually tear some books apart and just pull the pieces oh, that she wanted. I know that is sacrilege. <laughs> sacrilege. <to me. laughs> yeah. I mean the, in the, in the essentialism book, he talks about books too. And like he talks about perceived value and that when you own something already, you perceive it as being valued <laughs> higher than something that you don't own. Yes. And that's in, um, that was research done by, uh, uh, Daniel Kahneman. Yeah. Um, I actually read his book too, but yeah, there's research on that as well. Uh, things you own are worth more. And I've, I've seen it people, you know, anytime you bargain, try to bargain or haggle, it's, it's always like that. Yeah. This thing is so valuable. The things we own end up owning us. Yeah. But I I'm good about letting the books go that I won't. Yeah. I mean there's some that there's some that I will keep probably because they 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 had a significant impact on me or they right. came along at the right time in my life where they actually mean something or I may reread certain books because mm-hmm. you know it helps me get back into that mindset that I, that's why I'm buying a copy of this book um, mm-hmm. because it'll help me get back into that mindset whenever I read it. And that's important. And then there's other things like, you know, maybe the author signed it or it was a gift from, from, you know, from a friend or from somebody important to me. But yeah, I mean, for the, for the most part, if I've read it, I'm a lot better than I used to be about just like it's sitting here. It's not doing anything. I may as well just get rid of it and give it to somebody that's going to enjoy it and get something mm-hmm. from it. Like I did. The so. little free libraries are great for that. Yeah. Bookcrossing.com is great for that. Bookcrossing.com. Sponsor yeah, you can the leave show. a book and not a you actually can show. register them and put a number in it. And if someone picks it up who is so inclined to visit the website and put the number in, they can leave a little comment. And yeah, you can find out where your, your book, where ended your book up. has been. But I've had two comments in all the books I've left places. <laughs> So it's like kind of like where's George, right? Where people would write, yeah, stuff it's, on. it's exactly like that. But I think where's George is a little more successful. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's it. I, I don't have too much more to say about it. It's basically, I, I recommend the book. I think it's good. It helped me, but of yes. course, not 
not everything is for everyone, but I mean, I, what I take from this and what I take from this is as an artist, if I want to call myself that, which always feels weird, um, <laughs> is that you have to focus on what's important to you. And there's so many other projects that you can be involved in. And, and by being an essentialist, it doesn't mean that you don't say yes to things. It means that you think very hard about what you're going to say yes to so that you can say yes to those things that are good for you to say yes to. I mean, right. that's part of being in this process of being a writer, being a voice actor, having a podcast, having, you know, being involved in these circles that it helps everybody, you know? So I love being part of this community where we all support each other and we all give each other feedback and information and knowledge and help each other along through the process because art is a very lonely pursuit sometimes. And it's nice to have a community to support you. But mm -hmm. you don't say yes to everything. You say yes. You have to be very selective about what right. you say yes to. Well, leave room in your life to say yes to the opportunities that come along that really matter. I mean, if you're swamped under all kinds of things, you're eventually going to have to start saying no out of necessity. And imagine if you're doing all these different things that really don't mean that much to you and a huge opportunity comes along and mm -hmm. you're not able to do it because you're too busy doing things that don't really matter. Yeah. It's yeah. And I mean, it's, it's always hard to, I think that's sometimes where I struggle is like, you know, I know that some of these things like my stuff matters a ton to me to somebody mm -hmm. else. It's not going to, and that's okay. Right. Um, it doesn't it doesn't devalue what I do. It just means that for that particular individual, it's not their top priority. But we all kind of meet in the middle here as artists, and we're going to care about each other's projects. And, and that's what's important. It's just like looking for fans. I don't care about the people that don't like what I make. I care about mm -hmm. the people that like that do like what I make. And those are the right. people I want to collaborate with or the people that do want to be a part of it. And that's, you know, the people that hopefully I attract are people that are like, that's awesome. I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. Not, right. oh, well, I should do that because yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be. Yeah. That. You don't want to, you don't want people to feel like that obligation is a burden. Correct. Because eventually and you end up resenting. It goes both ways. Right. You're going to end up resenting yourself and that other, you know, resent yourself for saying yes to something that keeps you away from your important stuff. And the other person is going to resent you for not performing as they expected you to because you've overburdened yourself and you can't do as good a job when you're spread that thin. Right. And not, it's hard. I call it whittling. When I was 25, <laughs> though, I'll tell you, hmm? I could do a lot more when I was a young man. As oh, I get older. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, to be young again. It sure, you know, when you are young, you, you don't think that <laughs> you just don't think that you think people are exaggerating <laughs> Yeah. when they're old, like, oh, pff, yeah, you're, yeah, you, you heard all the time. Okay, whatever. Right. <laughs> so, or, uh, you know, yeah. physically things deteriorate mentally, your, your thought pattern changes. Mm -hmm. That's why. Children can learn language so much better than adults. Neuroplasticity. Yeah, so, 
there's a lot of change that happens when you're older. But fortunately, I think it gets counterbalanced if you are willing to learn and and make changes. Yeah, if you if you mature um, in your craft, you're going to eventually get to the point where what you make is better because you're more selective about it. And I think that's where I, I really struggled is trying to to do things as I'm getting older and I have other obligations and I'm, you know, my health isn't what it used to be Yeah, that you can't do all the same stuff that you used to. You can't drive yourself the way that you, you used to no. because you'll just burn out. I think it was the hyperbole and a half, one of her cartoons where she has, a, I want to do all of the things <laughs> <laughs> you do. You feel, and uh, you, you feel that it, that, and I think this, essentialism is part of letting that go. Yes. Know, accepting that you cannot do all of the things. <laughs> and Victoria wants all my attention anyway, so I might as well just oh. give in. Just <laughs> That's important. That's right. It's a priority. That's right. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to uh, commiserate with me about cutting things out. Yeah. Hopefully it's useful to somebody. The woe of whittling your life down. That's right. No, I mean, there's there's actually a kind of joy that comes at the end of realizing that it's okay to let go of things and that it's okay to, to come to this point where you're like, I just can't do all of these things. And not only because there's too much, but just because I'm getting older. I can't do yeah. it. It's a big sense of relief to get rid of. All that is weighing you down. Indeed. I'm a new man, <laughs> Cynthia Loman. I'm a new man. <laughs> Full of piss and vinegar again. Or just piss. I mean, vinegar may be gone by now. <laughs> I used to be Neither full. seems all that appealing. <laughs> I used to be full of piss and vinegar. Now I'm just full of piss. <laughs> Said the old uh, man. I can't wait until I get older. Then I'm just going to talk like that. Even if my voice sounds just like this, when I get to a certain age, I'm just going to be like, well, you know, Sonny, back in my day, whenever we used to, oh, is it time for a poop? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. Oh, it's too late. Uh, where, where's my meatloaf? <laughs> <laughs> where's my meatloaf? Oh, those mashed potatoes down at the buffet are so good. Salisbury steak. <laughs> Salisbury steak. Oh. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> good luck, people. You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast. A Hicks and Fabulous production. Break it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.